0: Harvard Medical School is saying that stress is responsible for 90% of all doctors' visits. Scientists are calling it the black plague of our century, and I don't think this is an over-exaggeration. And the thing is, stress is not some mysterious, incurable disease. Right. We have a fucking cure.
1: Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So, thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. My name is Sarah Merrill, and I am so happy to have you here. This week, we are talking about a topic I think 100% of everybody listening can relate to because we're talking about stress. And everybody has stress, right? Like if you have a pulse, I'm pretty sure you have to deal with some stressful shit in your life. And that's just science. But we all deal with stress differently and it can really make or break how we all individually go through life. So I've had my own personal journey with stress. And if you listen to the anxiety episode or pretty much any other episode, I talk about it at length. But really, I've been on a mission for the last several years to get my own stress under control. And I've tried, honestly, everything. I mean, I've gone to therapy. I've been to Tony Robbins. I do yoga. I've tried meds. I do journaling and gratitude and listen to podcasts and do breathing exercises and change my diet. I mean, like I've literally tried it all. Um, and honestly, like that shit all works. Like I've seen a noticeable difference in how I handle stress and I've gotten better and better. But I have also noticed that I've plateaued in certain areas. And I mean, we can all just, we can all just use a refresher and we can all get better at managing our personal stress. Um, And I think everybody can relate to this, but the older we get, just the more responsibilities we have and the more stress we have to deal with. And it can just sometimes feel like a never ending battle. So I was really, really excited when I got the chance to connect with our incredible guest this week, Emily Fletcher. She actually wrote the book, Stress Less and Accomplish More, which I feel like that's pretty much what we all want. Am I right? Like she is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for extraordinary performers. She's been featured in the New York Times. She's taught at Harvard. Google, Apple. I mean, I figured if anybody can teach us how to stress less, it is Emily. So we're going to get into it this week. We're going to chat about the neuroscience of what stress is doing to our brains and bodies, how stress makes us stupid, sick, and slow, which I don't know if you guys can tell in my voice this week, but I'm definitely like two for three in that department right now. We'll also hear how she got rid of her debilitating insomnia, and we'll get into some techniques to manage stress so we can all get better at life at the end of the day, I think we all just want to get better at life. Am I right? So without further ado, I'm going to kick things off with Emily Fletcher. So sit back, relax, and we will be right back. We're talking about stress in this episode, and isn't it lovely that on top of all the stress we all have on a regular basis, Mother Nature likes to just throw a period on on top of it all every single month. Periods can obviously be a pain, but they can be made easier and more comfortable thanks to thanks. Thinks are period-proof underwear that are washable, reusable, and completely absorbs your flow. You can use them to replace pads, cups, or tampons, which is awesome for the environment. Or if you want to dip your toe into them, you can always just use them as a backup so you don't ever have to worry about leaks again. It almost seems too good to be true, right? All right, so I just got my first pair. I opted for the high-waisted style in black, which has sheer sides, and they are honestly like... So chic and cute and comfortable. And it was nice to go to sleep during the first few days and not have to worry about waking up looking like Carrie after prom. All right, maybe that was an intense visual, but you know what I mean. Uh, you know what else is cool about Things? Every purchase gives back to their Give Rise program, which they are fighting for better access to puberty education, menstrual equality, and more. Uh, if you want to try Things or just learn more about them, visit periodbetter.com. And for a limited time, I have a little discount code... For For our listeners, just use code BIGKID to get $10 off your first pair. Again, that's periodbetter.com and use code BIGKID for $10 off your first order. everybody and welcome back to the big kid problems podcast i am sitting here with emily fletcher she is the founder of ziva meditation you've been i mean you've been on the today's show she's been on good morning america she's spoken at google apple harvard i mean you've been all over the place and you're you're the author of the book stress less and accomplish more So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. I mean, I want to stress less and accomplish more. Who doesn't want that? (laughs) Only ding-dongs. I want all of those things. Um, So you, I mean, you've founded this meditation course and you've spoken, you know, all over the place about meditation. Like, were you always just this like zen goddess or like, how did this, (laughs) how did this, how did you happen?
0: (laughs) Well, it's funny because I think the best compliment I've ever received was the last show I did. I, my now husband, maybe then fiance, and he'd never seen me perform. And I used to be on Broadway for like 10 years. And then we got together right as I was transitioning out of acting and into meditation. So anyway, long story short, I did this summer stock gig and this guy named Denis had been with me for years. We performed through many, many shows together. And there was some really young girls who were joining the cast and they were little not like starstruck, they didn't know who I was, but they like had stars in their eyes when they would talk to me and they were asking me questions like I was some enlightened saint or something. <laughs> and my friend Denis was sitting next to me. He's been friends with me for eight years. And he looks at these girls and she, he goes... Emily has not always been like this, and I was like, "Oh, Denise, that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever (laughs) said," (laughs) because he's seen my progression and my evolution. And it's like, nobody's special. It's just if you use the tools, they work. If you work out, you get stronger. If you meditate, you become nicer, and your your brain gets better. Your energy actually feels better for other people.
1: Yeah, which is exactly why I wanted to have you on because we are talking about stress in this episode and being like completely overwhelmed, being stressed out, and like you just said. you know, stress be, if you don't have that stress, you can actually be a much better version of yourself. So Mm -hmm. I kind of just like, I mean, you know, this, and I kind of wanted to hear a little bit about your background, but also like get into like, why you wanted to fight stress to Mm -hmm. begin with, like, how did this happen?
0: So I was dealing with insomnia. I had insomnia for like 18 months. This was during my Broadway career. I was going gray at 26, which nothing wrong with going gray, but it's not a great look on a 26-year-old actress. (sighs) I um, was getting sick like many, many times a year, five or six times a year, I was getting sick, which is tricky when you're singing for a living. And it was confusing why I was living my dream and miserable. And I'm sure people can relate to like having some sort of a dream that you think is going to make you happy. And then once you get the job or the boyfriend or the dog or the whatever, the million followers on Instagram, and then you are like, oh no, I still have problems. So... Anyway, I thought it was going to be a total dream, but instead I'm rocking myself in fetal position, having panic attacks in between shows underneath my dressing room table, listening to Eckhart Tolle on repeat. And I was like, this is not my dream. And so the woman sitting next to me in the dressing room was crushing it. I mean, every song, every dance, every bite of food this woman ate was a freaking celebration. And I was like, how are you so amazing? Like, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. I rolled my eyes and I was like, oh God, one of you. I didn't believe her. There was not the neuroscience then that there is now. Anyway, long story short, this class, first day of the first class, I was meditating that night. I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months, and I have every night since that was 11 years ago. Geez, then I stopped getting sick. And I did not get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I'm 40, I turned 40 in March. I have like one gray hair. I was legitimately going gray in my 20s. <laughs> I started enjoying my job again, and so I just thought, why does everyone not do this? So I left Broadway, I went to India, I started what became a three year training process to teach, and since graduating, I've taught over. 20,000 people to meditate. Uh, and We have a brick and mortar studio in New York. Um, We created the world's first online meditation training, which is now called Ziva Online. And then this book came out in February and it's been such an amazing, wild ride. Dude. Wild ride. Yeah.
1: Like insane. And you've taught some amazing people how to meditate. I Mm -hmm. mean, I'm looking at your bio now. You've taught like Fortune 500 CEOs, like Navy SEALs, Oscar winners, Grammy winners. I mean, like it's nuts, but (laughs) I see that and I get a little bit intimidated because I'm like, you know, we all hear like people, everybody can meditate, but like, for me, I'm like, I've tried it so many times and I get like, I don't know, annoyed with myself. And then I'm just annoyed
0: in general. When I hear meditation, I'm like, it's not for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. So talk me through what happens when you sit down and close your eyes. Like, can you give me a window into your brain?
1: Okay. So I'll start and I'll be like, okay. I'm doing this. This is happening. Positive thoughts, positive thoughts. Things are great. What's that noise outside? Is that a drill outside? Oh my God. They're drilling outside of my apartment. Like what is going on? Isn't it Saturday? Wait, no, it's Sunday. Oh my God. Tomorrow's Monday. Holy shit. I have 85 emails. Holy shit. I forgot to do that thing on Friday. Uh, fuck this. I need to get up. I need to do this. And I usually last Usually last, I'll actually give myself credit. I can do this for like 10 minutes, <laughs> but then I get out of meditation and I almost feel worse. Yes.
0: It's like, okay, so I can torture myself for 10 minutes. Yeah. By trying to think positive thoughts, which is kind of like, putting a happy face sticker on top of your empty tank of gas. You know, you're like, oh, let me think positive thoughts while my body and nervous system is riddled with stress. Yeah. And then you sit there and you can't clear your mind, even though that one dude in yoga class said to clear your mind when you're meditating. And you feel like a giant, colossal failure at the end of it. And then not only are you more stressed, but now you feel guilty about not doing the thing that everyone's saying is the most amazing thing ever. And you're like, this sucks.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Welcome to most people's meditation career. So like help a sister out. Like, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So the really, really good news here for anybody who's tried meditation and felt like a failure is that you're probably not a failure. You can probably 100% meditate. You just haven't been taught yet. Yeah. Like really, truly, it is a skill like any other skill. And you would not start a 21 day Japanese challenge and be like, okay, for 20 minutes a day, I'm going to speak Japanese unless you had learned how to speak the language first Mm -hmm. and yet everyone assumes that they should just already know how to meditate because it's simple, right? It's a simple thing, but we don't want to confuse simplicity for weakness, Mm -hmm. right? The power in the practice comes from the simplicity. And just because it's simple doesn't mean that you magically already have the skill. So it really is like something that requires training. And then once you have it, it's so easy. It's so simple. The return on time investment is exponential, But the other piece of really good news, if you sit down and your brain is going, going, thinking about your ex-boyfriend, thinking about your taxes, thinking about, oh my gosh, I have 85 emails to answer. And then it's easy to feel like you're failing because you're having thoughts. But listen up, everybody, listen up. The mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. It is the thing I'm going to shout from the rooftops until nobody comes to me and says, I can't meditate anymore. The mind thinks involuntarily just like the heart beats involuntarily. So, trying to give your brain a command to shut up Mm -hmm. or think exclusively positive thoughts is as effective as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It does not work. Just like your heart is being beaten, just like you are being breathed, you are also being thought. Like your brain is going to think whether you tell it to stop or not. Mm -hmm. And so if we go in thinking that the point is to shut it down, well, first of all, the only time the brain flatlines is when we're dead. And that's not what we're up to when we're meditating. Right. And we're up to getting better at life, right? I want to say we meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. So even if you're having thoughts during the practice, as long as you do have a practice and you do have some training... Then the thoughts become an indicator of stress leaving the body, which is also why some people feel a little bit more anxious on the other side. If you don't have any training that you don't understand intellectually, it's sort of like purging phenomenon that happens for most of us. Because stress is not exclusively an immediate phenomenon, meaning like, okay, my boss yelled at me and I got a little stressed. So maybe you like listen to 10 minutes of Headspace and you feel a little bit better in the now. Like most of the mindfulness apps out there, which PS, the free apps out there are actually teaching mindfulness. Mm -hmm which is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, right? Right. So dog barked in my face. I feel a little jittery. Let me do 10 minutes of breathing. I feel better in the now. Kind of like taking an aspirin when you have a headache. What we do at Ziva is that we're teaching a type of meditation that's all about getting rid of your stress from the past. So all that stuff that gets stored in your cells, all that stuff that gets stored in your organs in your skin. Like every time you've ever launched into fight or flight, it's left a little open window on your brain computer. They're called premature cognitive commitments. And by the time most of us are 20, we have about 10 million of those premature cognitive commitments open on our brain. And ultimately it is that backlog of accumulated stress that's making us stupid, sick, and slow as a species. This is why if you commit to a daily meditation practice and go down and close all those windows, you, your brain starts to work better. Your body starts to work better if you're not wasting all of your time and energy on stress.
1: I think that's so interesting when you talk about like the backlog of stress, because that's so true. And I feel like if anything, that should be more of an incentive to start doing something about your stress because it's like a compounding effect. Like you're only like adding to it. And if you don't get rid of it or you don't start to do something about it, it's only going to get harder and harder to like climb up that hill. Yes. And before we even like get into this, like I actually have to tell you a funny story. Okay. So how I actually found out about you... Was through uh, my now fiancé, Brandon. Who
0: I love. Congratulations. <laughs> I love him too. He's, He's great. I'm so happy for y'all.
1: Oh, thanks. Um, but it's so funny because we had just started dating and we had been dating for like, we both argue about this. He's, I say about six months, he says about a year and we broke up and he, and we had like six months in our breakup where we like didn't talk in that six months, he went to your meditation class. And like, literally when we came back together and we started talking again, I was like, holy shit, this is a new human being. Like he literally came back from your course and was a changed person. And I feel like there's a lot of like self-help wellness stuff out there that like you might do and you might make a change that happens for like a small period of time like I do things all the time to like better myself and I feel good for maybe like a little bit of time afterwards like this was five years ago like Brandon has still like maintained that like all the shit he got out of your course Cause he's still meditating he's still meditating yeah uh-huh. and he's like he it he's stuck with it. Like even like with me, like running fucking circles around him in the morning, like (laughs) he will sit there and meditate. And it like, really, I've I've seen like, not only like a physical shift, but like personality shift, like it's just in every facet of life, like Mm. it hasn't made improvements. I'm
0: so happy to hear that. It makes my heart so happy. So funny story. My husband and I have a very similar story. We were dating, wait, hold on. We met I lied to the person who introduced us and told the guy who introduced us I had a boyfriend because this guy asked me on a date and I didn't want to date him. And this was like a long time ago and I was passive aggressive and wouldn't just say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I told this guy, I was like a little, what I thought was a white lie. So anyway, I meet my now husband, Jason, at this party and he thinks I have a boyfriend. I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> so we hit it off. We had like traveled to all these far off places in the planet Earth Anyway, we go out on what I think is a first date. He doesn't think it's a date. He just thinks we're like travel buddies talking about our travel adventures. It's terrible. We get into a full-blown fight about Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. (sighs) At the end of it, I'm like, I will never date this person. I go off, get another boyfriend. I go back on, on tour, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he reaches out to me and is like, I remember you're really into meditation I think I need to learn. I think I need something. Can you introduce me to someone? I was not a teacher at this point. So I introduced him to someone. He learns. And then I get back from tour. We go out for lunch as friends and he's just changed. He's yeah. like different, more open, more receptive, still funny and smart and kind. But just there was something that had shifted about him. And then it was like, you know, we've been married for like nine years and we have a kid together. So, <laughs> so
1: wild. Yeah, it's real. It's legit. It's real. That's crazy. So for anybody who's listening right now and is like, yeah, that all sounds good. But like, where do I start?
0: Like, where do we start? (laughs) Okay, so... Look, there are millions and quite literally millions of free guided things you could do if you just want to like take 10 minutes of your life and dip your toe in water and have someone else hold your hand and guide you through an experience. There's millions of free apps. Well, not millions. There's thousands of free apps or millions of YouTube things if you just want to be like, I want to do something for 10 minutes. It's fine. It's like drinking a glass of water. It's like a state change. What I do at Ziva is that I train you to be self-sufficient. I give you the keys to the car. I give you the driving instructions so that in five years, you could still actually meditate every day, even without me, even without your phone being charged or without being tethered to Wi-Fi mm-hmm. in order to meditate. Because I think the last thing you want to do to meditate is be looking at your phone or a screen. So I think that self-sufficiency matters. So I think as far as if people are interested in Ziva, there's three ways they can start. One is just reading the book. I actually teach a technique in the book. It's more... The- The Science of Why You Want to Meditate, the Stress Less, Accomplish More book, but I do teach a gentle version of the technique in there. There's also an online course called Ziva Online. And that I teach mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And it's about 15 minutes a day for 15 days. Hmm. Um, so it's, again, it's like keys, driving instructions. By the time you graduate, all you have to do is sit down and close your eyes in order to meditate. Like you'll have the techniques. And then I teach live as well, which P.S. I'm starting a class tonight if you happen to be free. It's Thursday through Sunday. Ooh. I don't know how you've made it this long in your relationship with him meditating and you not.
1: I mean, he's like, you have to go.
0: I can't know, like believe he does He's been trying. He's been trying for a a long time. time. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so we also teach live in person. And that course is two hours a day for four days. And I usually teach in New York or LA. We've got some Toronto class coming up, Chicago coming up, Sydney coming up. So, uh, and, and the, I liken them to in-person is like the Maserati. The online is like a really great Toyota. Mm. And then the book is like a Vespa, you know, they're all going to work. They're all going to get you there. The question is just like, how fast do you want to go? How powerful of a tool do you want? And what do you want to invest in the training? Yeah.
1: Interesting. Wait, so if that, that you can learn everything in just
0: those four days. Yeah, it's two hours a day for four days. That's what Brandon took. I fuck with that.
1: I like, like I want to do it like quick. I want to just learn everything and then like have it. Cause that's yeah. I think I think that's like part of the problem with our generation too, and especially I think my problem specifically with meditation is just like I'm impatient. Like mm-hmm. I just want to like have it down and figure it out and yeah. not have to always just be like wondering like what I'm doing wrong. Yeah.
0: So that so then the life course would be perfect for you. I mean, you want the fast, you know, very efficient maserati yeah i want to get in the car and go so come on
1: i know um (laughs) okay so i want to take a quick step back and because i feel like we kind of glazed over we have to we have to really talk about like what stress is and like the feelings of being overwhelmed and like how that shows up for you in your life Mm -hmm. so like tell us a little bit about what what that might be like
0: overwhelm or stress or what's happening physically
1: what's happening physically in our bodies and like what that actually does to us
0: over time so it's almost become like in fashion to be stressed it's so common that people almost wear their stress like a badge of honor like i'm so busy i'm so stressed i'm so overwhelmed and I think that, and I get that because I used to be an actress. There's periods of unemployment. And if you've ever dealt with any sort of unemployment, then when you do get busy and you are working a lot, you feel important. Mm. You're like, oh, look how much everyone values me and needs me. And look, my time is more precious than your time. I think that the reason why we're all telling everyone how busy we are is so that everyone else will come to us for lunch instead of us having to go to someone else's neighborhood for lunch um, so that everyone else will adapt to our schedule because we're the busiest person in the land. Yeah. Um, But I think that I'm on a mission to stop the glorification of busy because it's in the space between is where the magic happens. It's it's actually on the other side of boredom that you get your most amazing ideas. It's on the other side of overwhelm that you come to innovation. And- And the reality is that stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And if we want to understand the physiology behind that, we have to go back in time, like 10,000 years, saber hunting and gathering in the woods, saber-toothed tiger jumps out with the intent to kill. Well, your body's going to launch into a series of chemical reactions. Digestion will flood with acid to shut down digestion. Because you need that energy to fight the tiger. Hmm. That acid will then seep into your skin so that you don't taste very good if a tiger bites into you. That is why stress prematurely ages us. Um, It's why you look at a picture of any president the day they take office and then four years later and they all look like they've aged 20 years. Um, That's not an accident. That's stress. Um, Your bladder and bowels evacuate so you can be light on your feet to fight or flee the tiger. Your immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer, if you're about to be killed by a tiger. This is why you get sick more often when you're chronically stressed. Mm. Um, Fertility goes down. Skin elasticity decreases. um, Erectile dysfunction can happen. um, Cortisol creates belly fat. Um, There's a decrease in brain elasticity, um, adrenaline levels increase, cortisol levels increase. So basically if you're running around in this low grade fight or flight, wearing your stress like a badge of honor all day, it's the equivalent of dumping acid into your brain and body. You're like pickling yourself. (laughs) And and this is just what we've considered normal. It's why chronic disease is so rampant. Harvard Medical School is saying that stress is responsible for 90% of all doctor's visits. Scientists are calling it the black plague of our century, and I don't think this is an over-exaggeration. And the thing is, stress is not some mysterious, incurable disease. Right. We have a fucking cure. Hmm. It's called meditation. It's just everyone thinks they're too busy to meditate. And so this is why my life's mission is to rebrand meditation as a productivity tool. It's like, this is not like a cute thing that you can get around to when you have extra time. Yeah. This is... The thing that will heal your brain, which is in charge of printing every single cell in your body and in charge of making every de- single decision in your life. So people are like, Oh, I'm too busy to meditate. It's like, Well, what the fuck else are you doing with your time? <laughs> are you just too busy making mistakes and being overwhelmed and stressed? Why? Yeah. Why? That's so
1: true. It's so interesting when you say that too, that it's almost like trending because I feel like there's like not, especially, I mean, I just moved from New York to LA and I feel like it's a little bit different on the West Coast, but in New York it is like almost in fashion to be stressed out. Like mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who is not stressed out, which is crazy. And you're right, it shows up in like so many other areas of our life and like one thing I've noticed too is like it's not even just work. Obviously like when you, if you're stressed out at work and like that's going to affect your performance, but also like in relationships too. Like it sucks mm-hmm. to like I mean like now that I'm like living with a partner, you know, somebody comes home to you and you're a stress case. It's like not ideal. Like you're not showing up as your your best
0: self. Yeah. I think that relationships are an opportunity for us to deliver our fulfillment to the other person or a place for us to deliver our stress to the other person. And ultimately it's up to you to decide what you are delivering to your relationship. Your relationship is not a place for you to go and fill yourself up. No external mm-hmm. person, place or thing has the ability to make you happy. And if you aren't taking care of that internally, if you aren't accessing your own fulfillment internally, which is the only place that your fulfillment resides, then you're going to go to everything, your job, your relationships, your friendships, your kids with, it, with neediness. Mm-hmm. And neediness is not sexy. <laughs> no, detachment is sexy. And the only thing that's going to give you real detachment is you becoming self-sufficient for your happiness.
1: So you really think that you can
0: get that fulfillment and that joy with your current life right now? It is never, ever happening on the other side of any achievement, any kid, any zero in the bank account, no ring, no car, no acquisition, no hire. None of that is going to make you happy. The only place you can access your fulfillment is right here, right now. And if you do not have the ability to access it here and now, it ain't coming on the other side of a zero in your bank account. I work with some of the world's richest and most successful people. And I can tell you straight up, they before they start meditating are not the happiest people on the planet
1: yeah that's so true i want to like pause for effect because everybody needs to take that in for a second i'm so guilty of that always thinking like okay when this when i get this when this happens when this happens like it's gonna be great
0: so there's a chapter in the book called the i'll be happy when syndrome Mm -hmm. right and i was so deep in it because i think especially like as an actor because you know there's a supply and demand issue so you just think well you know, well, once I get a job, once I am a successful actor, then I will be happy. And it's so easy to just keep extending that finish line. I mean, we all do it, but I think it's especially easy as an actor to do. It's like, well, I'll just let my life suck now because once I'm winning an Academy Award, like then it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all do that in our own way, and. I was so deep in the I'll be happy when syndrome. I even prided myself on being a seeker. You even do it a little bit around self-help. And now once I found this practice, it's like, oh, I'm not a seeker anymore. I found it. And it's right here. And it's inside of me. And then what this practice does is that it gives you the ability to transform yourself from being a bag of need, looking to be fulfilled. And it turns you into fulfillment, looking for need, Hmm, how can I help? How can I contribute? How can I lift someone else up? And then the paradoxical thing that happens is that all that stuff you're looking for starts to show up by accident. It's not an accident. It's a return on your investment of getting your buns in the chair every day, twice a day. And if you read the autobiographies of the world's most successful people Almost every single one of them is starting their day for themselves. Tim Ferriss says that 90% of his podcast guests start their day with meditation. But even if it's not meditation, they're either exercising or writing or painting or something for themselves. Yeah they don't just wake up open their email inbox and become everyone else's bitch which is what your inbox makes you and oh. that that's what we're doing we just wake up and immediately look at our phones and be like oh well who liked my stuff on instagram and how many emails do i have to answer which is terrible for your brain like to have that blue light in your brain within the first hour of waking is not good for you and then psychologically immediately feeling behind schedule versus how you would feel both biologically and psychologically if you take that time for yourself cuz when you start meditating Within 30 to 45 seconds, your brain and body flood with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. So that feels nice in the sitting. Mm -hmm. But if all it's about is feeling nice for 20 minutes, you could just wake up and smoke pot. But like, (laughs) you you drink wine or whatever you want to do. It's not about the pleasurable experience of the meditation. It's about... Yes, your body and brain flow with dopamine and serotonin, but then that stays with you after the meditation. You bring that with you to your partner, to your kids, to your job. And that's what I mean when I say it it turns you into fulfillment looking for need. Right.
1: Before we jump back into the episode, let me just take a quick sip of my Golden Latte Mushroom Mix from Four Sigmatic. I honestly love Four Sigmatic, and more importantly, love knowing that with every sip, I am wreaking the benefits of functional mushrooms that help with immunity, energy, and longevity for better overall health. Now, I know drinking mushrooms might sound weird, but it doesn't actually taste like mushrooms, and there are so many benefits. Take the mushroom coffee with lion's mane, for example. It is real coffee made with 100% organic Arabica beans, but contains only about half the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee. Not to get too techy on you, but functional mushrooms are adaptogens that support the adrenal glands. So that makes a big difference for anyone who wants the productivity of coffee without the jittery side effects that can lead to stress, which I don't know about you guys, but my stress already has stress. So I need all the help I can get. If you want to try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our listeners. Head over to slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout for 15% off. Again, that's just slash big kid or use that handy discount code big kid at checkout. Um when oh my god, when you say that about like picking up your phone and already feeling behind, like I do that. Brandon yells at me all the time. Good job. Uh, yeah. But what does your ideal morning look like? Mm. Like if you're, you know, like what do you what do you do?
0: Well, I have a one-year-old son, and so thank all the gods and goddesses, he sleeps about 12 hours a night. So he sleep. I sleep trained him from nine to nine.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. So on a great night, there's like, people listening to this cursing you, right? Now. <laughs> well, like <look, laughs> I can, I, Baby Wise is a great book. And then there's a woman on Instagram called Full Feedings, who does some great like free trainings um, on that. So anyway, so I sleep usually from like 12 to eight now. And then I get up at eight. I like tongue scrape, uh, brush my teeth, I drink water, and then I meditate. And then if he's, still asleep, I will work out, but it's like really short. Like my workout is now like I either do seven minute workout on my app or I'll do like 15 minutes of yoga on my own. Um, And then he wakes up around nine and I nurse him and then get him breakfast. And then my nanny comes and then I go to work. That's my day now. Back in the day. At
1: this point, you have not looked at your phone
0: once. Oh, that's not true. I have. I, I will look at my phone. Let's say Like before when he would nurse, sometimes I could look at my phone, but now he's like all over the place. So it's like a two-handed adventure, like (laughs) wrangling him. Um, But I might look at my phone, like if he's eating breakfast, I might like FaceTime with my mom. And like in that time, I might just really quickly check emails or something. Mm -hmm. I might like, if I go to the bathroom, I might like check it for a minute there. But I generally try not to do it before I meditate. Mm. Like that's just, and here's the thing, even if there is a fire to put out, I'm going to be much better equipped to put out the fire after my 20 minute meditation. And if it's so catastrophist, is that a word? Maybe. We'll (laughs) We'll ride ride with it. (laughs) Um, Then the 20 minutes is going to make or break it. Then probably it's like too big of a catastrophe anyway. And I might as well just meditate and enjoy sinking the ship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Okay. So that's, yeah, that's your process. I like that. I think that that's just like an easy thing that, people can maybe do, like if you're one of those, like I'm guilty of picking up your phone when you wake up in the morning, like maybe don't freaking do that. Maybe give yourself a couple minutes. Yeah,
0: or even at the very least, like what if you just woke up and got the sunlight in your eyes before you get the phone light in your eyes? Mm. Because the sunlight in your eyes, as soon as you wake up, helps to set your circadian rhythm. And your circadian rhythm is like the master gear of which your uh, like hormones, your endocrine system, your digestion, like everything else runs off of the circadian rhythm and sunlight directly impacts that. So at the very least, just get the sun in your eyes before you look at your phone. That's a great tip. And
1: on that note, because I I obviously, we would want anybody listening to do a Ziva meditation course right after this, like stop what you're doing and go <laughs> do it. But for those of us who are anybody listening who, you know, might not like, are there more tips like that, like little things that you can add to your day mm-hmm. that are going to um, help with those three M's, the mindfulness, the meditation, the manifesting that you you talk about? Like, I would love to hear some extra little secret secret sauce.
0: A really simple thing that people can do, even if you don't have a meditation practice or you're not ready to learn one is something called the two X breath. And I sometimes will use this as a preamble to the meditation. It's almost something you can do if you're about to have a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And all you do is that you inhale through your nose for two and you exhale through your mouth for four. So it's really simple. You're just in for two And out through your mouth for four. In through your nose for two. Assuming you guys are following along with us and exhaling through your mouth for four. We'll do one more big, deep belly breath. And as you exhale, feeling your forehead soften, your jaw soften, your shoulders drop, your belly soften. And then you can open the eyes if you close them. But the 2X breath is really simple. You could do it walking if you're super stressed, just in for two steps, out for four steps. Mm -hmm. If you want to do it seated, you can. It's something you could do waiting in line at the grocery store. You could do it in traffic if you're feeling overwhelmed or like you're having some road rage. And the magic in it is that you're doubling the length of the exhale from the inhale. And ideally, you want to be breathing into your belly. And just this simple little thing helps to strengthen something called the vagus nerve, which is the super highway that connects the brain and the body. And, you know, there's a lot of new studies coming out about like how your vagus nerve health can impact all kinds of other things. So it's super simple and it's better than taking a shot of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable, but
1: <laughs> yeah, no. um, I love that. And I... Um, I mean, on the topic of the three M's, because I don't, I've heard you talk about this before and maybe we we didn't get into it enough here on this podcast. So I would love to kind of hear, you know, you walk us through this mindfulness, this meditation manifesting, like what are these three M's and like,
0: yeah, so out. the, Where this gets confusing for a lot of people is that they think that mindfulness and meditation are the same thing because most people are using those terms as synonyms, but I would argue that they're not the same thing. I would define mindfulness as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And so like that two X breath is kind of like a mindfulness exercise, because as you do it, you're focusing on the inhale, you're counting your breaths, you're really feeling the breath. So it's taking your attention away from the past and the future, and it's bringing you into the right now. The, the thing that we use at Ziva is something called come to your senses, where we use our five senses as a tool to anchor us into the now. Now, mindfulness, as I mentioned very briefly, is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, like a state change, mm-hmm. like that aspirin. Whereas meditation, and I'm speaking specifically around Ziva right now, is that it's all about getting rid of your stress from the past. It's all about getting rid of that accumulation of stresses that we have in ourselves, that thing that's over time making us stupid, sick, and slow and bogging us down. Um, That's what meditation is doing. And meditation is actually giving your body rest that's about two to five times deeper than sleep. And that is not an insignificant point because when you give your body the rest that it needs, it knows how to heal itself. It's just like when you're sick and go to the doctor, they say sleep. Well, same thing. When you meditate, you're giving your body this rest so it can start to heal itself. not only from the stress from today, but all that stress from our past. Yeah. And so it kind of feels like taking a nap, sitting up, but without the sleep hangover. And then on the other side of the sitting, you've done your part to just scoop out a little bit of that pile of stresses, that thing that's making us all feel like we're overwhelmed all the time. And then what we do is we close with the manifesting. So it's almost like the dessert course. So mindfulness is the appetizer. Meditation is the main course. And manifesting is the the dessert of the Ziva technique. And manifesting is really just you consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And the world's highest performers are doing it. Ask any Olympic athlete and they'll tell you they visualize before they run the course. Mm -hmm. Ask the world's most successful athletes, business people. I had the opportunity to hear a woman named Mary Morrissey speak this weekend. And she's OG. She's been in this space for a long time. She's worked with the Dalai Lama. She's worked with um, Nelson Mandela. She's worked with Martin Luther King Jr.'s children. She's taught millions of people. And she said about manifesting is that you're simply asking, what would I love? What would I love right now? And what I usually say is, what's one thing I would love to manifest? And so you just basically start to ask yourself better questions and you do it after the meditation. Because in the meditation, your right and left hemispheres of your brain start to function in unison. Mm -hmm. And you're in a very unique state of consciousness. You're in a verifiable fourth state of consciousness, which is different than waking, sleeping, or dreaming. And so for you to start to manifest from that state of consciousness is so much more impactful than you doing it from your waking state. Than just trying to do it like right now. Yeah, because like you could line your vision boards with or line your wall, with vision boards or like watch the secret on repeat. But if you're not meditating and your body is riddled with stress, chances are you don't believe that you deserve your desires. And we don't get what we want in life. We get what we believe we deserve.
1: Okay, so I'm glad that you brought that point up because I feel like, and now I'm just going to be selfish with your time and like hit you with like what I, I, I like totally am a believer in manifesting, but I think that this is the piece that gets me tripped up. And so for anybody else who's listening who can relate to this, like I would love to hear your thoughts. So like what you just said, like there's the part of thinking, okay, this is what I want. Like I want this or I want to attract this, but then there's a whole separate piece of actually feeling like you deserve it. And I feel like for some reason, there's like a blockage when I'm starting to manifest. Like I know the things I can write them down what I want, but then I have such a hard time being like, oh yeah, that $500,000 is already in my bank account. Like I, There's something happening where I cannot fully, if I'm being truly honest with myself, like really grasp that and believe that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So really, truly, the the trick to manifesting is imagining the dream as if it is your current reality. It's an imaginative exercise. Okay? It's not... A strategy exercise. It's not a left brain planning exercise. It is a feeling imagination exercise. And so the trick is to imagine the dream as if it is happening now. And if visioning $500,000 in your bank account does not feel good to you because you don't currently, even if no part of you believes that it is possible, <laughs> then I would not recommend doing that right now. I would recommend manifesting like the most delicious lunch of all time or serendipity on demand for the rest of your day or how many people you want to make laugh tonight at your friend's party or whatever else. But like imagining the dream as if it is your current reality is one trick. The other trick is doing it after you meditate. And what I've found is that the combination of meditation and manifesting is so much more powerful together than either one alone. Because you could meditate all day, but if you're not clear about what it is that you want, it's hard for nature to give you the thing. And conversely, you could manifest, but if you're not meditating, it just feels like like you're almost lying to yourself. And mm-hmm. it feels like a farce. And and But the thing to know also about manifesting is that it's not your job to figure out how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. It's your job to figure out what you want and why you want it. So the what and the why are your job. The when and the how is up to nature. Yeah. And that's when we start to mess it up. And and here's the other thing is that a lot of us think that we're manifesting, but what we're secretly doing is complaining. (laughs) Where we're like, why does she have a boyfriend and I don't? Why can't I lose this weight? Why did he get a raise and I didn't? Why does she have more followers than me on Instagram? And if you ask shitty questions, you're going to get shitty answers. And so, what we're doing in the manifesting is we start to ask better questions. How much money would I love to make? That's a better question for you. Mm. How much money would I love to make? Do
1: you answer that? Or are you just like literally asking that to the universe?
0: I would see what happens. Like, I would meditate and then ask the question and see what happens. Like, you might get you might get a hit that comes up. But the other thing to know is that the brain doesn't think in language, the brain thinks in pictures, which is why the manifesting usually has to be a five sensory experience. And that's what I do in the course is that I teach people how to walk themselves through that visualization of like, whatever their dream is, is that it, it, I teach them the tools to picture it as if it's happening now. Like, what does it look like? Who are you talking to? What does it feel like? Like that whole thing. Um, cause it's not, It's not about language or even lists. It's about the picture so that you can get into the feeling as if it's happening now. It's about charging up your cells with the frequency of your dream so that when it comes, you don't self-sabotage. Because here's the reality. According to the Vedas, which is this beautiful ancient body of knowledge from which all of this stuff comes from, according to the Vedas, manifestation precedes desire, which means that that thing is already on the way to you or you wouldn't even want it. Ooh, I like that. Mm -hmm. That's cool. It's not your job to figure out how and when it gets there. You just have to figure out, you just got to place the order with the cosmic waitress at the cosmic restaurant. (laughs) A lot of us aren't doing it. We just sit down and we're like, I want food. The waitress (laughs) is like, yeah, well, what can I get? You're like, food, I'm starving. Like, okay, what would you like? I'm so hungry. She has food. Why don't I have any food? Yeah, just place your order. It's not fair. Why don't I have any food yet? (laughs) Just place
1: the order. Okay. I like that. That was really interesting when you started talking about the visualization exercise. Can you give us a couple of those, like some maybe like checkpoints? Like I heard you just say, you're like, or you, you, you you mentioned the senses. So like, Mm -hmm. what's something you would
0: ask? So like, it's just like, what are you seeing? Like in that dream? What, what does it look like to you? What are you hearing? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? You know, just going through all five senses in the dream of you already
1: having the thing that you Mm -hmm.
0: want is present moment reality
1: okay Mm -hmm. i like really i really want to try this here's what
0: a lot of us are doing even if we're so let's say we do start asking the better questions we get out of asking terrible questions we start asking better questions but then the next trip up is that people accidentally worship the space between where they are and where they think they should be They start to put their attention on how far they have to go, how Mm. far away the thing is. And then you're watering the weeds when you want to be watering the flowers. You want to be putting your attention on the thing that you want to grow, not the space between you and the thing. I'm totally doing that right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. So what you put your attention on grows.
1: And yeah. So if you're like, I don't want that space. When am I going
0: to make $500,000? Like I have so far to go. How on earth am I going to possibly make that much money? Eat, all in the spirit of quote unquote manifesting. And yet you're just watering the weeds, watering the weeds, watering the weeds. And PS, that's the definition of stress. The space between where you are and where you think you should be is the definition of stress. Mm. It's always starts with acceptance and surrender. You have to accept where you are. You have to surrender to your circumstances if you want anything to change. And that's what meditation helps you to do. I think that's, yeah,
1: that's amazing. And, and not to, I, I kind of wanted to circle back on that too, because we talked a little bit briefly about that you can be happy where you are. And so, like you just said, surrendering Accepting. to whatever your situation is. Like if you, if for anybody who's listening right now, if somebody is like going through some shit. And they, you know, maybe they lost their job. Maybe they just went through a breakup. Maybe like shit's not great right now. What would you say to that person? Like, how can, how can somebody who is being affected with like tragedy or just pain or sorrow take what they're doing right now and feel
0: good? Well, maybe they're not supposed to feel good right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think it's okay to be sad. I think it's okay to be angry. I think it's okay to be mad. What happens when you start meditating is that you start building up this background of bliss and bliss is not a synonym for happiness. Okay. It's, it's It is possible to experience bliss. Even when you're angry, it's possible to experience bliss. Even when you're sad, even when you're overwhelmed, even when you're jealous, it's that 0.001% of you that knows that everything's okay. Not that it's going to be okay, that it is currently okay. Mm. And what, as you start meditating, that 0.0001% becomes 0.01% and then 1% and then 10% and then 50% of you knows that this is all playing out exactly as it's meant, even when things aren't going according to your plan. And if you can accept that, if you can start to trust, if you can start to surrender to the fact that maybe just maybe nature has more information than you do, And you start to ask questions like, why is this happening for me instead of why is this happening to me, which sounds like a simple shift, but it's not. So many people are real, real committed to their victim stance, Mm -hmm. but you don't understand my stress. You don't understand my problems. You don't understand my brain. You don't understand my circumstances. This is real. This is a real problem. My job, my mom, my body, my blank, this is real. And of course, yes, it is real. And you created it. Hmm. And so the acceptance is acknowledging that you're manifesting all the time. Yeah. Look around you. How much money's in your bank account? What do your friends look like? What, what's your job look like? How much are you contributing? You've created all of it. Every thought you think is creating your current reality. And so, and that might be a hard pill to swallow for people who do not like their current circumstances. But if you accept that reality as true, then it starts to put you in the driver's seat and you start to be able to take accountability and responsibility for co creating your life. I don't think it's a one way street. Okay. I don't think it's totally self deterministic and I don't think that it's totally fatalistic. I think it's 50 50. It's 50% left brain, which is individuality, and 50% right brain, which is totality. So it's a two way conversation. And in any time we think, well, I'm going to do it all myself. And never surrender to nature, or well, I'm just gonna sit back and get high and sit on my couch and wait for my dream person to ring the doorbell or my dream job to show up in my inbox. Like it (laughs) doesn't work either one of those. It doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how manifesting works. (laughs) I'm like, I I made a vision board, like it's all gonna work out. (laughs) No, you still have to take action and you and you have to get do the hard work of healing your nervous system so that you start to believe that you deserve this stuff. Um, but it really is a two-way street. And I think that it's It's not about blaming, right? Like uh, sometimes when we don't like our circumstances, we want to blame someone or something or ourselves. Or
1: yeah, circumstances, yeah, all that stuff. I use that as my own excuse all the time. I'm like, oh well, I don't have this resource. Like, how could I possibly achieve what I'm going for? Sorry, not to put in. No,
0: no, just giving. But but you know that Tony Robbins, and I know Tony Robbins just got got caught up in the Me Too scandal, but I'm still going to quote him. Um, (laughs) He said, "There's never a lack of resources." there's only ever a lack of resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. And like, you want proof of that? Look at Oprah. Like she was the product of rape. She's this black, Southern, overweight woman. And now is one of the most powerful, influential people on the planet earth. Right? And it's like, and there's, there's not a thousand Oprahs, but there are thousands of stories of people who've come from harder things and achieved amazing things. So it's never a lack of resources. It's always a lack of resourcefulness. And, and look, we live in the fucking internet age. You can basically get anything for free. You can basically teach yourself almost anything on the internet for free. So it's like, you want to take a business course, you can find like virtual MBAs online. Yeah. You, you know, or you could just find a mentor or, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the, like the Gary V's of the world or the Marie Forleo's of the world, like they put a lot of their best stuff online for free. I have hundreds of free things on our blog. I I give out the first three days of my online course. We give for free. So like there's a lot of resources out there for people. It's a matter of usually now with so much information, it's like how much are you prioritizing your time? Like how well, do, do you know what you want first of all? And then does your calendar reflect your priorities?
1: That's so good. That's so true. And I love that because for anybody who's listening, it's like, you can do this. Like, this is on you. Nobody's going to hold your hand and be like, Hey, improve your life. Like you have to like really prioritize it. And for anybody who's maybe like, well, shit, I haven't been doing this. Or maybe hearing some things that are getting like some, maybe something's coming up in you. Like, Oh, maybe I've been doing this wrong. Like you can start today. There's no wrong.
0: There's only learning.
1: You're Right. Like you, you can, you can start changing your life and feeling less overwhelmed, feeling less stressed and getting in that driver's seat. Yeah.
0: Like, Some people go their whole lives without ever learning this stuff. And so if you get to learn it at 20, 30, 40, 50, like, great. Yeah. Today's the youngest you'll ever be. Oh, that's one of my favorite quotes. So good, right? It's
1: so good. But it also, like, always just lights a fire under my ass. I'm like, Like, oh, shit. Getting up. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Emily, thank you so much for being on. I think this is really, really great, really helpful for anybody listening. Um, If they want to find more of you, if they want to learn more about Ziva Meditation and and start getting in that driver's seat, where can we find more of you?
0: Yeah, so it's zivameditation.com. So it's Z-I-V-A meditation.com. And then we're all over social media, just at Ziva Meditation. Awesome. And and for real, if people want to get the first three days of our online course, you can get that too at zivameditation.com. Cool.
1: And I will link everything in show notes for you guys. Um, so you have easy access to it and can find you easily.
0: Oh yeah. And the stress, uh, the book is called stress, less accomplish more stress, less accomplish
1: more. And one last thing, mm-hmm. like if there's anything, actually two last things, Great, let's go. What's like your current big kid problem right now? Cause I want to prove that everybody has these. <laughs>
0: okay and can you define a big kid problem for me just like i'm um, adulting it's,
1: it's like anything that yeah it's like a struggle that you're currently going through
0: well i'd say you know we're i'm a new parent my husband is a new parent so we're just kind of like relearning who we are as people our identity has shifted we're certainly learning who are like what our relationship is as parents and so like that's we're like going through a whole process with that and so that's like it's, it's not like a problem per se, but it's like a new chapter and it takes work and time and attention. Totally. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that one. And Mm -hmm.
1: even a Zen goddess like yourself (laughs) can struggle with that. Yeah. Last thing, is there any like quote or like little thing you want to leave us with?
0: Mm. Yes. We meditate to get good at life, not to get good at meditation. Nobody cares how many or few thoughts you're having when you sit quietly in a chair and you'll know it's working when your life gets better. I love that. All right,
1: Emily, thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that is a
1: wrap on our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it and are walking away with a newfound grasp of just how important managing your stress is. I mean, Emily mentioned all the side effects like chronic disease, premature aging, erectile dysfunction, like the list goes on. And I like how she equated meditation to brushing your teeth every day. And hey, whether you choose to meditate or not, I think the general consensus is that you have to find a stressful Relieving practice that works for you, and you have to do it every single day because that shit builds up. I have to give you a little bit of a personal update since recording this episode. So, you heard me talk about trying Ziva meditation, and I'm actually currently a student right now. I did the 15 day course and I'm almost done, and I've already noticed a difference in myself like, truly. I happen to just be in a very stressful season right now. I'm like planning a wedding which is for anybody who knows this struggle, like it's the worst. Um, And at the same time, I'm trying to pack up my life in LA and move states very last minute. So normally with this amount of stress, I would be in the fetal position currently, Um, but I'm actually getting through okay. And I have to give a shout out to Emily Fletcher for helping a sister out. And this is in no way an ad for her course, but if you want to try it or read her book or just find more Emily, I've linked everything in show notes for you to check out. If you're enjoying this season, please, please take a second to rate and review it. Even if it's two sentences long, it really does make a huge difference. And uh, if you like this podcast, hey, you can take a screenshot of your favorite episode so far and post it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me so I can see what you guys are liking the most. I know there are a ton of ways you can spend your hour. So just know that I really appreciate you spending it with me and I hope you enjoyed it too. So I hope to see you back here next week for another brand new episode. And until then, I'll see you next Tuesday.